Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know, the Bible says when we, when we worship God, when we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, we don't just sing them to God, but we sing them to each other. Because when we worship God, it actually encourages each other, doesn't it? So it's great. So we actually sing to each other. So it's brilliant. Obviously, God is the focus of our, of our songs. So, um, yeah, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to invite you just to change your position, stand to your feet. I'm going to pray. And um, so I'm just going to just deliver the word that God's put in my heart for us today as we wrap up the series. And um, do you know what? I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to, but I could, I could, could preach a blind of a, a cork of a, a message today. And, but it, it all depends on how we respond to it. It all depends on how we receive it, okay? And uh, so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to just ask you just to put your hand on your heart right now. Because the Bible says the preparations of the heart belong to the man and woman. So Lord, this morning, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word, if we allow it, has the, has the ability to literally transform our lives. It transforms our thinking. And I pray this morning, as we just unpack your word in this last of this series today on life worth giving, I pray that, Lord, you'd just give us fresh revelation if we need it. You would encourage our hearts if we need it. You would instruct our our minds if we need it. And that, Lord, in a non-pressured way, that, Lord, we would see a revolution begin in our lives, in our families, in our finances. So, Lord, just be with me and be with each of us today as we just hear your word and help us to apply it today in our lives. And everyone said, Amen. Please take your seats. Great. Brilliant. So, we've been going through this this series called A Life Worth Giving. This is going to be part four um, today. And uh, just welcome if you're a guest today, if you're listening on podcasts. And if it's your first time that you've joined us today on this series, don't worry, we're going to quickly unpack. pack it and, and do a review of everything that's been said before we go into the message part today. I've got to say, first of all, as a pastor, it's difficult to teach on the subject of giving. So weeks one and two, um, Rob and Pete both spoke about giving in terms of our time and our talents, serving, not just in the local church, but in the community, um, and that's brilliant, and serving according to the gifts and the talents that God has entrusted you with. And sometimes it's about discovering what our gifts and our talents are, isn't it? to find out where we can make a difference in life and also in the church. And then last week, I, I started unpacking about giving in terms of our finance. And one of the reasons it's difficult to, a subject to, to speak on as a, as a pastor is you could be judging me on my motives for, for teaching this. I could be judging on the motives of I'm, I'm doing this series because we want to get more money in the church. Okay, But the reality is that's not my heart this morning. My heart is, because of the principles we're going to look at today and review from last week, it can actually make a fundamental difference in your life. Absolutely. We've heard from a story from um, Anne today of how it's made a difference in her life. And we haven't paid her to say that. <laughs> she said it because it's made a difference in her life. And uh, so this, today's going to be a bit challenging. But the great thing about this message is there is no pressure and there is no obligation because we know in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah? And so from the word go today, I'm talking about finances, and you might be thinking, oh no, finances again. But there's no pressure, 
and there's no obligation, and there's no compulsion coming from me. Okay? It's a decision of your life and my life about whether we enter into things that God wants us to. And every single one of us is on a journey of faith with this. Yeah? We really are. From we don't give to we give regularly to we tithe or we give more than our tithes, different things. So that's a little heads up. And this is why it's difficult to, to speak on. But um, we, speak, we look at the subject once a year because it's a good subject to look at in terms of giving. Because actually Jesus spoke more about giving and more about money than he spoke about heaven and hell. Did you know that? So if Jesus was speaking about it, and we saw last week how he, he positioned his disciples, his friends in the temple to look at the treasury and to look at how people were giving because Jesus thought it was so important. So what were we looking at last week? We had this... Um, we had this uh, big idea. Excuse me, I'll just check everything's in place. We good? Oh, sorry. Okay. Great, we'll go back. Great. Of living with hope in God means giving with open hands. And the sense that when we put our hope in God, everything else makes sense. Um, the problem is, is we live in a, a wealthy country. And because of our wealth, and as we, I don't know, when you start a job and you, and you go through life and maybe you start to get more and more money, sometimes we can put our hope in God for certain things, but not everything. And our hope can switch or migrate from hoping in God to actually putting our trust in our own wealth. And I gave some figures last week, which were, when I found them and I researched them, I was just amazed. And they were this, simply this. If you earn, before tax, £31,000 a year, or £24,000 after tax net, okay, you are in the, the world's top 1% of top wage earners. Do you know that? So if you earn... £31,000 gross, £24,000 net in this country, you're in the world's top 1% of wage earners. Now, I know in this room today, not everyone would earn that. Some people earn less than that. Some people earn more than that. Some people may even earn significantly more than that. That's a fact. And if you are in that, that category, then you share 48% of the world's wealth. Yeah? Another fact was... The global mean salary per year is £862 a year. I ask you the question, do you feel rich? And look, last week we looked at the fact that actually we may not feel rich because sometimes we compare ourselves with other people, but the reality is when you look at those statistics, we are rich. We are rich. Even if we haven't got loads in the bank at the end of the month or week, we are rich. Even the position of the country we find ourselves in, we're rich. We've got change in our back pockets. We're rich. And we saw last week how, how t uh, Paul was writing to Timothy, his, his mentee, saying, command those who are rich in this present world, that's us, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Because he, he realized that our hope can switch from hope, hoping in God to hoping in our, 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 our finances or our wealth, which is so uncertain. But put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And last week we looked at the fact that Paul was instructing the, the church then and the church now in 2016 to be rich, 
Not to be average, but to be rich in what we do for other people. The way we give our time, the way we give our money. Be rich. And this way they'll let treasure for themselves as a firm foundation. And Paul's instruction is because our, our hope can shift, hope can shift from being in God to our wealth. And who realizes, who's ever had money worries? Yeah? Because sometimes we don't know whether the next the bill, an unexpected bill comes through that door, and we think, oh my goodness, I hadn't planned for this. Yeah? Things happen. Life happens. Bills happen. Yeah? But the reality is, didn't God know that bill was going to come through the door? Didn't God know that time when our car broke down and we just didn't need it? God knows everything. God knows your life. God knows my life. And so we've got to keep our hope fixed in God and not fixed on our, our money. And the, the more wealth we get, the harder it is because our hope migrates, our hope switches off of God onto our wealth. And then finally, we looked at the encouragement was to stop being a 3S giver. That was spontaneous. We see in a TV program, children need, oh, I'll just give £20. Not saying that's wrong. Um, give to this cause, sporadic. That cause over there, this cause over here. And we think we're, we're being generous and we think we're doing well. We think we've given a lot away. And that's not the heart. The heart is saying do all those things. But the reality is if you do it always spontaneously and sporadically, you're actually giving less away because you haven't thought through before God, not in front of a preacher, what it is you're going to give away to God. Because God wants us to give away, but thought through, prayerfully, and planned. So the encouragement to stop being a 3S giver, to start being a 3P giver, which is priority. So be a, make a priority. Think about carefully in a cold light day decision, what am I going to give this year? Think annually. And break that down to monthly or weekly, whatever works for you. But think about it. What are you going to give away? Make a priority of, of giving to God. Because God owns everything. And then percentage. We looked how Jesus looked at the, the uh, poor widow that gave two copper coins into the offering. And there were people that were giving out their wealth, substantial amounts of, of cash. And Jesus said that this woman gave more than the wealthy people. Because it's not about the amount that you and I give. It's all about the percentage. It's all about the percentage that we're giving. And then the, we spoke about a little bit about the progressive, that trust God to give more. There might be you haven't started giving, or trust God that you may start giving a certain percentage and move through that. So that was where we were at last week. And I just want to um, take this a bit further on today um, by looking at this, this big idea that says living with hope in God, well, that's what that was last week. Living with hope in God means giving with open hands. I, um, a few years ago, I went to the a trip to the south of France, well, several years ago now, south of France with some friends, and it was a nightmare of a journey. Who's ever been to the south of France? Who's ever been to the south of France by coach? Oh, never again. I was literally traveling for about 24 hours, and my, you know, you hear about like economy class syndrome where like your legs are folded and you're getting cramps. Oh, it was a nightmare. I, just, I tried to put my legs on the seats and everything and oh so much pain and cramps 
Some people actually lying in the aisles. It was just terrible. They stopped off every now and again for, for different breaks and things, but it was a nightmare. Anyway, we got to the, the place. We were staying in a caravan, and it was lovely. It was near Saint-Tropez, beautiful, gorgeous sunshine, wonderful. And uh, one day, we, we, we hired for a few days a car, and uh, we went to near um, Monte Carlo, and we did a trip around there. They went to this beach, found this beach, and we saw these rocks. And uh, so we got, got on our swing trunks, and uh, after a while, people, the friends I was with said, hey, let's jump off these rocks. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't um, too high. It wasn't, like, massively high. Um, but if you're like me, does anyone here not like heights? I'm not a great fan of heights, I'll, I'll be telling you. And uh, so one after another, you know, everyone sort of jumped off the rocks into the, into the sea. And you had to sort of literally jump so you wouldn't touch them. But it was, it was pretty safe, you know. And then it was my go. <laughs> and I looked down. And you know what? I couldn't do it. Well, my legs went jelly. Just, no, and my friends went again and again. They probably went four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. And I still hadn't jumped once. And, uh, and I looked back. And I went back, look again, and I thought, oh, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't find myself to jump. And it must be something to do with heights. On an aside, you know, who's ever done a bungee jump? No, I, I haven't done a bungee jump. I don't think I ever would do a bungee jump. Maybe a parachute jump, maybe try that one time. But I, I just couldn't jump off these rocks. And uh, have you ever had a, a regret in your life where you think, if only I'd done it, if only I'd done that, and uh, I, don't, I don't look back and think of that as a big regret. But I do look back thinking, I should have just done it. It was obviously safe. Just jump. I love the water. I love swimming. Just hate heights. So it wouldn't last long, a few seconds. And then uh, splash. But have you ever had regrets? Have you ever had, felt scared of doing something for the first time? Have you felt scared of, uh, I don't know, putting God to the the test in certain areas of your life. I know in, there's one time in my life as a student, um, I had this really, really small bedroom. Um, I've shared this with Rob before. Really, really small bedroom. And so much so small that I had to put, under my bed with these like pull-out like drawers. And in those drawers, I'd literally stuff everything. So what would happen if, if my parents were coming up to stay, uh, to, to come and visit me, um, what I'd do, I'd literally, the day before, get everything in these drawers and put them under. And to the untrained eye, my bedroom was neat and tidy. The floor space was, nothing was on it. It was spick and span. Because all the mess was under the bed, in these drawers. So even if you looked under the bed, it looked tidy because they were in the drawers. And it's a bit like us with our life with God and our, our relationship and our journey of faith. There's some areas which are fine, are good, and other areas which we're not sure about, perhaps we're not doing so well in, and uh, maybe we fall short, maybe we sin, we mess up, and we ask God to forgive us and to put us back on our feet. Maybe some areas of our journey of faith where we haven't yet put God to the trust, trusted God in certain areas. Maybe for you today, finance is an area that you haven't yet fully trusted God. Maybe some of us here today listening, we have fully trusted God, we, we, and there's always more, because if you think you've fully trusted God, that's when God asks for even more. And the nudge comes, like Anne was saying, and you can't get any peace because you know you've got to do something. And the challenge today is to 
whether you're a single person. Maybe today it's about trusting God with your next step of your giving. Maybe you're married. You think, well, gosh, we've got bills. Maybe you've got children, nappies and clothes to pay for. And it's about giving. I barely have enough left at the end of the month. The reality is this. There are laws, aren't there? There's gravity. Whether you say, I believe in gravity or not, try beating it. Yeah? What goes up must come down. There are laws. And so there is laws in God's word, which God says work. But it's up to us to try them out on our journey of faith. Yeah? There are laws. God says it's, it, it, it's going to be done. Then we've got to engage with that and say, okay, God, I will try that out or not. But my thought for today is simply this. Trusting God means testing God with your finances. Trusting God means testing God with your finances. Whoa, Dave. Surely we're not allowed to put God to the test. We are. And in in my understanding, there's only one area we can do that, and that's in our finances. Trusting God means testing God with our finances. And we're going to look very quickly at the book of Malachi. And my thought for us today is, obviously, trusting God means testing God with our finances. Is I'm going to challenge us all. At the end of this message, there's going to be a challenge. Now, there's not going to be a pressure. It's going to be a challenge for you to think through for yourself. I'm not going to call anyone to the front. Don't worry. I'm not going to come around with the offering buckets again. Don't worry. Um, but there's a challenge. I'm giving you a heads up about that because God wants to challenge us and test us, but at the same time, he asks us to challenge him and test him. So, according to his word. So Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 to 12. I'm just going to look at this, a couple of scriptures together. I, the Lord, do not change. And this is, the book of Malachi is a prophetic book written to the nation of Israel. And it's the last book in the uh, Old Testament. I say Old Testament because we live in New Testament times. We live in the times when Jesus came. That's when the, the New Testament was written. And now we're in the church era. And it says, and I'll come back to that in a minute. In chapter, verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And that's the heart of God for every single one of us. God wants us to return to him. God wants us to have a a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. There's nothing more that God wants than to have a relationship with, with God, with him. And we can have that through, you just say, accepting him and, and having, talking with him and saying sorry for the things that we do wrong. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. Wow. So God is saying some strong words, some strong language to Israel at the time in the Old Testament, saying that you, Israel, have robbed me. Gosh, that's hard, isn't it? Very harsh. 
But you ask, how are we robbing you? And God replies, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And in those times, they used to bring a tithe. A tithe was a, was a tenth, 10% of their crops. And it was very much an act of worship. So in Deuteronomy, um, it gives us the sort of instructions of how they were to worship God. And they were to bring them and to eat them as a point of worship. And if they couldn't, uh, if, the, if the temple was too far away or the journey was too far away, what they could do is sell those crops to get some silver and gold and then to buy some, some, uh, some things that they could worship God with then. So God is saying, you robbed me by, uh, by not in through tithes and offerings, and you're under a curse. It's harsh words, isn't it? Do you know what? God is a God of absolute love. But there are times when a God of absolute love doesn't mess his words because he loves us. It's a bit like this morning, I've had some strong words with Daniel because I love him. And this is God's encouragement to the nation of Israel then in the Old Testament. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. So God was saying to the nation of Israel, bring everything. Don't hold back. Bring the whole tithe, the, the whole 10%. Jesus, sorry, God said also that is holy. It means set apart. The, the 10%, the tithe, is the very first thing. Bring it all. And some people will actually probably just keep him back some few grains of wheat here and barley and, and, and giving some, just a little bit. But God says, bring all of it into my house. And I love this. And listen to this. Test me in this. God is saying to the nation of Israel back then in the Old Testament, test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I want to just pause what I'm saying right now and just declare from the front, we are, we are not a prosperity gospel church. I don't believe, when I read the Bible, and you might disagree, this is my, my thoughts, that every Christian is called to be wealthy and rich. I don't see that. I see it when I open up my scriptures, I see... Christians suffering for their faith. I see people being killed at different times. We hear that even today, don't we? So is every Christian called to be wealthy? I don't believe so. So from the front, you will not hear me preaching this. Okay? But I do believe that God wants to bless your life and my life. And God wants to bless your finances. It doesn't mean to be wealthy... It might be for some of you that God wants to increase your wealth, your wealth and make you even more wealthy, more prosperous. But God wants to bless. There's a, there's a difference when God, there's a blessing of God upon our finances, upon our health, upon our, our family, because putting certain principles into action. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty. See if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Wow. He's saying this to the Nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Those that hadn't tithed. Maybe they had started tithing, but they didn't anymore. 
I will, pre I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I love this because it's written to the Old Testament. Principles about tithing, about giving 10%. Actually, it's principles of first fruit, where you give the first. They were to give the first of their crops, the best of their crops. Not just the old stock, but the first and the best. There's a principle in God that when we give the first and the best, God blesses the rest. Think about this. If God can get it through you, talking about your money, if God can get it through you, he can get it to you. If God can get it through you, he can get it to you. The Dead Sea is dead for a reason. It's, have you ever been to Israel? I haven't. Anyone ever been to Israel before? So the Dead Sea is very salty, and you can obviously go there. You can go in the waters, and because it's so salty, so full of salt, you can actually, it's very buoyant and lie on the front, lie, lie on the surface. The reality is, it's got water, fresh water coming into it, but there's no outlet. And isn't that true sometimes in our lives? We've got money coming into our lives, and we might, some of us might just pay the bills, try and live, try and get through the month, and then even at the end of the month, there's not enough left. Yeah? Because there's no outlet. And God wants our lives to be an outlet of a blessing towards others, not just in terms of money, but in terms of our time and the way we give and the way we approach life. But our culture will teach us to say, look after yourself. Look after number one. Look, look after yourself because no one else can look after you. Have you heard that before? Look after yourself. No one else can look after you. But that's not God's principles. In the kingdom of God, God says, I will look after you. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. A ransom for many. So if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. If, if he can trust you knowing that he's going to give you some money that you're going to then give away, he'll get more to you as you need it. And with the tithe, the thing is, and I said this last week, I own nothing. I might have a house with a mortgage on. Eventually, one day, if I ever pay that mortgage off, I still don't own that house. Why? Because I can't take that house to heaven. Yeah? I can't. Um, I don't own my children. <laughs> Sometimes I'd love to give them away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't own them. I am a father to them, and they're under my care for a period of time. My possessions, I don't own them. Because things break, things get dirty, things, you lose things, don't you? But God entrusts us with things. We are but stewards. God gives us things. God owns everything. God owns everything. But God gives us things to, to steward, to look after, but also to make better. So if with my children, I'm not fathering them right, I'm not looking after them right, I'm not teaching them good principles, God's going to hold me to account for that. Same with you. God wants us to look after and make better the things he's given us. If you 
have a house you live in, live in whether you rent it or whether you have uh, got a mortgage, doesn't matter. Make it the best house. Keep it clean. Keep it tidy. Look after it the best that you can. When we look after things God has entrusted to us, God will give us more. Parable of the talents. Even the one that didn't, the one that was scared of, of God or scared of the owner, he buried it, didn't he? And uh, God says, even what you have, I'll take away from you. So look after. And with our finances, if, if all the money we get through the bank, through the door, doesn't belong to us, in a sense, it's God's. Well, actually, what God does, he says, well, do you know what? Out of your income, I'm going to give you 90%. The principles of tithing is this. If everything belongs to God, all God says is, let me have the first 10%. Why? Why does God? God, 10%. Have you seen how much that is? Have you seen how much little I've got left in the bank at the end of the month? 10%. Why? Because it's all about trusting God. It's all about stopping our hope from shifting from God onto our money, onto our wealth. And so when we trust God, say, okay, God, if that 10% isn't mine anyway, I've got a choice. I can either not give it to you and pretend it's, it's not yours, or I can say, I'm going to test you. Because trusting God means testing God with mine and your finances. And isn't that liberating? Isn't that scary to think that you and I can put the living God to the test? But God is asking us to do that. Hang on, hang on, Dave. Dave. This is Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. We're in the church era. In the, in the New Testament, the word tithing is rarely used. The word being generous and giving is used a lot. But when you look at the New Testament, don't you see a community of believers that are absolutely radical in their giving? Yeah? We've got community of believers that were so on fire for God, they sold their houses. Don't worry, I'm not They sold their houses, sold their possessions, so they can give to those that had need. Isn't that radical living? God, Jesus gave us everything. You know, there's no percentage mentioned in the New Testament. So if you went on Old Testament principles alone, it's just 10%. I know those of us in this room today and listening on podcasts, not all of us are on that page. Not all of us have got the, have started tithing. And do you know what? Like I said at the beginning, there is no pressure. This is your faith journey between you and God alone. Remember, it's not about the amount. It's about the percentage. The woman, the widow, gave out of her poverty everything, two copper coins, all she had. So we've got this test, this challenge from God to us. And then, you know, like I said last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 7, and I love this. And this is simply this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give 
what you have decided in your heart to give. So plan in advance. Go away from here. Review your finances. Like I said last week, everyone, I, re- I would want that everyone has some sort of planning for their finances. Great savings plans. You're planning for the future. But also included in your budgeting is the planning of your giving for the year ahead. Going from a sporadic approach to a a conscientious, this is what I'm going to give approach. If you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Wow. And God wants to give you enough to live and enough to give. Enough to live and enough to give. If all God gave us was enough just to pay our bills, and that's not God's economy. Remember, we're talking about an economy. We're talking about principles. We're talking about laws that are not natural laws. So if these are laws, we can not just put God to the test. We can test out these laws. Are these laws going to work in my life or not? You might have heard me say it's, it works, heard Anne say it works, heard the people say it works, but is it working in your life? God wants to give you enough to live and enough to give. And some people ask, well, what, where, do I, where should I tithe to? Can I tithe to television ministries? Can I tithe around the world? Now, you might disagree with me on this, but according to Malachi chapter 3, It says, bring the tithe into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in the house. And the principle of the storehouse is the principle of the local church. So local church is the the equivalent of the storehouse back in the the day. So if you think about it in terms of a a, a kitchen, you go to the kitchen at home, you go to the cupboards, I'll get some food, I'll do this, blah, blah, blah. Same here in a local church. When you find a local church to make your home, the principle is, is simply this. It's like, okay, I get spiritual food, I get fed, I have a community of believers that I grow in, grow with, and, and do life together with, and we grow up in, in challenges, we pray for each other, and different things. And yet that's my spiritual home. So I'm going to give to that spiritual home, that spiritual storehouse. And that's the principles. And therefore the principle, anything above that, if you want to give anything else above that, then... That's down to you and how the Holy Spirit would prompt you. And there are some people that have the gift of giving. They have the charismatic gift of giving where they just, God has blessed them with finances and God prompts their heart. These people are very sensitive people, very sensitive to hearing God's voice, and they will just give because God has blessed them with that gift of giving. Not everyone has that. But if you want it, ask God. So there's some tough things there. And I want to bring this, um, trusting God means testing God with your finances. Trusting God means testing God with your finances. My time is gone, but I want to bring a challenge to you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. That's great. Every one of us are on a different page. Everyone has a different journey with our faith. I'm going to ask the the welcome team, if they can get those resources. Okay. So, some of us, we don't give. 
and we, we, we might come to church. And I'm, I'm saying that not to put any pressure on. We, we just don't. It, we're not in the, the habit, the spiritual habit of, of giving. You're going to be getting a couple of packs coming around now. You're not in the, in the habit of giving. Some of us might give regularly. We might give once a month, whether it's through the bank or, or through the, the offering buckets. And some of us, that might just be a certain percentage. And again, I encourage you to think about the percentage that you're going to give. And some of us might be on the journey where we're actually giving 10% of our income. And maybe some of us still might be another level that says, well, we give, we give more than that. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask, ask for your money. But I want to challenge us this morning. Because it's good to be challenged. There's many times in my life I am challenged. I'm challenged to the core. And then I have to go away and think about it. And this is what I'm doing with you today. I am challenging you to go away from this place and to prayerfully, with you and God, remember no compulsion, no obligation, because God loves a cheerful giver. Ask God, God, what do you want me to do? And the challenge is this. It's called the 90-day giving challenge. The 90-day giving challenge. And you will find... On your, in, your, in your packs, you'll find two, two items. The first is a card. It's a response card. And it might be at the end of this series, you thought, okay, I don't perhaps volunteer in my time. We know that volunteering, serving on, on Sunday teams and other teams can be a great way of, of building friendships and finding connections in the house and uh, getting plugged in. And maybe you're thinking, well, I, I want to find out some more information about, I don't, I'm not signing up, I just want to find out some more information about volunteering some time. It might be that you're thinking, for 90 days, and this is the other challenge, 90 days, I am asking you, will you put God to the test? Three months. Put God to the test. God says, test me in this. Will you test God with your finances for three months? But Dave, you don't know my situation. Go away from here. Look at your finances. Record them. Plan them, budget them, and think, okay, God, maybe some of you it's going to be, I'm going to give 5%. Now, that's not my heart for you, because my heart says God's principle is 10%, because then he blesses the rest. So therefore, my heart is, would you put God to the test for three months with your finances of tithing? And some of you right now, I just know, will be thinking, oh, that's a really big deal. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's like that cliff jump. It's like jumping off and it's like, oh, I can't do it. But say, God says, yeah. put me to the test. That's right. So the challenge is for three months. Can we do that? We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.